0: So, Christian came to me roughly six months ago. She was like, Joseph, I would love for you to skip for Lady Sunday. In the back of my head, I was like, I'm down. I was like, I'm going to have a ceremony written out the first month. But then the next five months, I was going to have it on I thought I was going to be up here like Sterling, walking back and forth. Back and forth. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> but that wasn't the case. It definitely wasn't. So the first month goes by, I probably had me had List about a thousand things I, I wanted to talk about. I was like, ah, I, gotta, I gotta narrow it down. And then, second month comes around, I'm like, ah, man, i am got to 100 topics. All right, all right, we're getting somewhere. And so, me and Caitlin, we were sitting on the back porch and we were grilling and we were watching the girls playing welders. And I just had this, this small, faint voice speak to me saying, Bubbles. That's me, your sermon. I'm sitting there, I was like, Bubbles. I was like, what can, what can you learn with Jesus and bubbles? So I continued to refer to my scripture, and I, I kept on digging and digging, and it slowly got me into this one scripture with the Good Samaritan. In Luke, in Luke 10, 30, um, Jesus starts speaking to the law. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho." When he was attacked by when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leave him half dead. Now, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he was when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was, and he saw him. He took pity on him. He went to him and banished him his wounds, porn, oil, and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor that the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert replied, the one who gave, had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. May God bless the reading of the word. So when I was younger, I thought I had the scripture down. I was like, all right, we had two pillars in the community. They passed by this gentleman who and left him for dead, and then he had this stranger who was willing to help him and and, and just take the time to show up on him. But that wasn't the case. The more, the older I got, the more I started to dig deeper into the scripture. And I, and I found out the Samaritans and the Jewish people, they did not like each other at all. It was, it was actually a big under, a big feud between the two. It goes back to when the Babylon exile happened. And this was a big power play. And this power play, it pulled out anybody else's somebody. It pulled out your priests, your Levites. It pulled out your, your rich and all it left was the poor people. So up in Israel, we start seeing this is where the Samaritans begin to form. They're starting to interact with other nations. They're actually starting to hold their own religion with pagan titles. Well, while this is going on, about 70 years later, the Jewish community, they were actually able to return down to Judah, which was the promised land. So the Samaritans, they actually this. They're like, you know what? We're going to go down there. We're going to help them. So they travel down to Judah. And the Jewish people, they were just like, no. Nah. And the Samaritans were like, well, hold on, hold on. We want to help rebuild your city. We want to help rebuild the walls, your houses. We want to help you rebuild the temple. And the Jewish people, they're like, no, you don't belong here. This, this is not where you belong. If anything, You need to go back to where you come from and let us deal with our own issues. So this is where we start slowly seeing that that fiery conflict between the Samaritans and the Jewish community. So, I mean, it's it's a good thing that time has progressed and we're nothing like what was going on between the Samaritans and the Jewish community, right? I mean, if you really look around, we have all these unique bubbles around us. We have got your Alabama bubbles, <laughs> got your Auburn bubbles, you got your rich bubbles, poor, you got your black bubbles, white bubbles, you got your straight, gay, your Democratic and It goes on and on. And if you really look at it, it's, we're always looking at one side. Maybe I'm right or maybe they're wrong. But what Scripture wants us to do, what Jesus wants us to do, is he wants us to be vulnerable. He wants us to be willing to pop our bubble and be ready to love on that neighbor. And that's how we continue to start seeing that love in Christ through others. When I was when I was about 13 years old, me and my mom went to Walmart. For a lot of you didn't know, I am a last minute project warrior. If y'all don't know what that means, that means I like to wait till the last minute and do a project. So it was Sunday, and my project was due Monday. My mom was not happy. So we go to Walmart, and we're buying all our supplies. We're checking out. What she notices, this gentleman, she's sitting on the bench. You could tell it was a hot day. He was sweating. His clothes are torn. My mom went to him, she's like, hey, I'm Melissa. And this shows am like, oh, Stranger danger. Hold on. <laughs> but she's like, mom, oh, listen. So she continues to talk to Andrew. And she was like, she's like, hey, how are you doing? Getting to know him. She's like, hey, don't go anywhere. I'm gonna buy you some food. So she goes out, we buy him some food, and we come back. Well, we give him the food, and I thought that was the end of it. But it wasn't. Throughout the next week months, my mom actually starts taking interest in Andrew. She starts building this relationship. Every so often, she's in Sarah and she sees Andrew. She's saying, hey, get in the car, get in the AC. Hey, do you need something to eat? Do you need some new clothes? So this continues to go on. She's actually finding out. She, she's going above and beyond. She's she's finding out where he went to school. And she eventually she found out. He had aspergers and that was why it's hard for him to communicate with others and why he was on, he was homeless from around 19 years old. So months go down the road and there's a freeze coming through. It was when he got about in the 30s. My mom started panic, and She's like, Andrew's coming home with us tonight. So she darts right out the door and she searches and searches for Andrew. Eventually she does find him. She brings him home. She lets him get a nice warm shower, feeds him this nice meal, and gives him a bed to lay on. But she didn't have to do it. She could've gave him $20 and sent him on his way. But she was willing to pop that bubble and be vulnerable and love on this stranger, no matter what, what he did what he faced. And that, what that meant to me was I was starting to think, how can we just bring someone that we don't know in? And I, it just conflicted with myself for a while. How can we do this for other people in our own home? I get we can, we can help them get food out or we can give them money, but why? My mom over right now, she's like, Joseph, this is the love of Christ. This is how we show the love of Christ. to think about it, and I go back to my room, and I'm thinking, I'm studying. I was like, "Wow, that's my mom reflecting Jesus's divine love." So the years go on, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm still contemplating with my, like, I wonder what he, I wonder if he's happy that he had his bubble burst on my mom. Well, a few years later, I had my bubble burst. So. A lot of people don't know this, but Adriana is not Caitlin's biological daughter. Doesn't mean anything. She, into her two peas in a pod. I mean, I, nine times out of 10, if I'm texting them, where are you at? Oh, we're, we're buying new shoes, we're getting ice cream. It's always something. But that's not why I'm to leave with you, the vision-wise of loving others. So we continue so we started dating in January 2020. I remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we started dating and we slowly introduced a genre in our relationship. And it just blossomed into this beautiful, beautiful thing. So we, I started meeting her family, we started hanging out around them. And I was like, all right, things are going good, they're going smooth. Well, she's like, Joseph, I can't wait for you to come to my house. House on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, we have this big party. We eat great food, we we talk, and we tell stories, and we watch all the kids open presents. First, I'm like, this is awesome. And I started really thinking. I was like, well, I'm coming into this relationship. I was a single father. I was like, and Adriana's not related to anyone here. So there's a chance she's probably not going to get as many presents as all these other kids. So I'm debating with myself, do I need to go out and buy, buy more presents for her so I know she feels lo- just as loved as everyone else? But something told me no. So we, we go we go to a part of that night. And it, it was just wonderful. We're walking in the door, you can just smell the food. They're hugging you. Hey, come on in. Shaking your hand. And they're piling mounds of food on your plate, more than I could I could probably eat. And then they're making sure I have everything I need, make sure I have enough sweet tea, they're making sure Adriana has what she wants to eat. They're catering out here. I was like, oh, that's, that's lovely. So the night begins to progress, and they get to the point where kids are starting to open presents. I was like, oh man, here we go. And so I, I look over at Adriana, and she just has this big pile of presents. Now, Christmas, it's not about what you get, but for me as a father, I'm like, i got to make sure my daughter feels loved too. But her family already to took care of that. They, they gave her a bunch of gifts, and every so often, I hear her pulling to the side. I love you. You're a blessing to this family. And then they pull me to the side and hug me. I love you. I'm so glad you're here. That's the day I really had my vocal verse. Because I was like, how can someone, a family at that, love someone who felt damaged, has a child, no ties to anyone there? And just the love and compassion they have shown. I'm forever grateful for the family. So as Christians, we... It's hard for us to pop our bubbles because we feel vulnerable and we're scared. We're out of our comfort zone. Now, I'm not saying bring a stranger into your home, let him sit in your bed. I'm not saying that. For some people, it might be just grabbing a cup of coffee. You might not have the same beliefs as that person. You might not understand everything that they believe in. But just maybe showing that, that little bit of love go a long ways. For some people, it might be going, helping out with a foundation or a charity. But as Christians, we got to be willing to pop our bubbles. we got to be willing to love on our other neighbors and pursue them as the Samaritan pursued the Jewish man. So what I want to leave with you today is not how you're going to love your neighbors, but who's your neighbor?